Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the 2020 film The Call of the Wild. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do listen without having seen it, just be aware there may be spoilers. Enjoy. What a great intro. Because <laughs> you're about five minutes late, and for once, I was ready completely on time. Get five minutes to play the guitar, which I never get time to do anymore. Very rusty. <laughs> I'll be late more often, yeah. Normally, we're we're on the same time wave, but today... You might leave... I've got a whole five minutes of that before you appear on the recording. I might just leave that in. <laughs> you definitely should. A little introduction. D- did you recognise the riff? Uh, I did, but I can't quite place it. What was it? It's a Tornado of Souls by Megadeth. Ah, a bit of Megadeth. So yeah, if you want about f- five minutes of me playing Megadeth on an unplugged Telecaster, <laughs> as, as as Dave Mustaine intended it to be, that's then, a uh, yeah. That, that's a that's a new genre of lo-fi music, isn't it? I'm sure. Unplugged Telecaster beats. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I genuinely have been thinking about trying to do some covers of metal songs in my kind of dark lo-fi style, and I think I could make it work. Yeah, I'm sure you could. I've got a couple in the pipes. I released a new track, to, well, yesterday, actually. So I'm oh, did you? Put that really? on the show. So it's a cover of Crystal Teardrops from Symphony of the Night, Very which nice. is like nice. um, a, quite a smooth, jazzy jam for when you're like down in the like underground waterway next to a waterfall. It's nice. I'm very pleased with it, and reactions have been good. So yeah, I'm back in, back on my bullshit, as they say. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Um, but how are you? I am good. I am good. I've been working out what to do next, whether I want to do music or something else creative after the album's now out. Yeah, um, of course. Have you had to had continued to have good reactions, etc.? Yeah, it's been good. It's been good. I've had some um, excellent quotes from people. Um, including one that said that I am a dark cowboy. I'm very, very in favour of that. Very in favour. Um, also, if it sounds like if Johnny Cash met some members of Thrice in a saloon late on a Monday night in February. Oh, that's a good, that's a good one. And my personal favourite. Usually, when your mates send self-made music to you, you give it a listen and it's properly shite. But this is actually pretty good. <laughs> that that's the most British review Which I've is- ever heard. <laughs> Which is the most honest one, I think, and I'm fully in favour of it. So thank you for the person who, who, uh, who gave that review. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's been doing well. It's been doing well so far. And Excellent. Continue. What I realise is I need another um, viral tweet because I had a viral tweet relatively soon after I released my version of In the Pines and that made the, the listens skyrocket. So was I that Waluigi's to... raw sexual energy, or it, was that was that's not, an older tweet? That was a that was a, a Rob classic. That's vintage Twitter. Rob. It was when I did a um, I did an overview of hate crime, um, hate crime um, uh, stats that came out. So it was actually a very serious. Thing, oh, that's which right. Is very yeah. unlike me. 
Um, not as uplifting as as Nintendo <laughs> no, content. Not quite, not quite. Um, whereas, yeah, I really need, um, yeah, I, I need to have a, a serious moment on Twitter and get people um, turning up rather than normally. My uh, my Twitter feed is pictures of my cat mainly, to be perfectly honest. Do so you think you're going down the serious tweet route instead of a shit post? No, I think I'm going to be a wild card option where there'll be a serious tweet in between the shit posts. Right, so I'll a get shit pe- post sandwich. <laughs> I'll get people suckered into my account through serious <laughs> things, and then all of a sudden they'll be like, why the fuck is this person just talking about the raw sexual energy of Nintendo characters? What is this? <laughs> um, that's what I'm. That's what I'm going for. That's what I'm going for. It sounds um, good. I'm very much in favour of this strategy. Yes. So we've been talking about music, and I've got something that I want to put forward to you. All right. Any 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 movie that is about dogs that has been made since the release of Who Let the Dogs Out <laughs> by the Baja Men and does not include it in the soundtrack is instantly banned from public viewing. Yeah, that's true. That's why that film, A Dog's Purpose, bombed at the box office. Everyone heard about it. <laughs> and they heard, there's no Baja Men. What the fuck? Yeah. My son loves that song, by the way. Of course, it's an all-time classic. Get back, Scruffy. That's Scruffy. Get back, you flea-infested mongrel. <laughs> it is an absolute banger. It's so good. And unfortunately, it's not in every dog movie, including this week's film. No, it's very unfortunate. It would definitely ruin it, but that would also be a good thing, because <laughs> it's a great song. <laughs> it's well well better. In fact, well if better. what we I, here's your here's your next project, right? You you're gonna have to build a time machine, right? I, you know, all of the energy that you put into making that album, put that into building a time machine so we can go back in time and have the Baha men release Who Let the Dogs Out before Beethoven came out. So that, that can be in Beethoven. Because, because the only way a... you could improve Beethoven is to have Who Let the Dogs Out in it. And it's a song that would perfectly match the energy of the movie Beethoven as well. That's true. When he gets out after the barbecue or meal with the with the financiers and goes running around. Yeah. That scene right there with Who Let the Dogs Out. Slow Perfect motion. Symmetry. Yeah. Jim jumping along. Who let the dogs out? Who? 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 <laughs> exactly. Have you exactly. have we mentioned it before? Have you seen the documentary about that song? No, I have not. That goes through all the history of it and how, like, it's not actually quite clear who wrote it because the Baha men didn't write it. It was kind of a cover that they didn't even want to do. And there was, there's, yeah, the ownership is under dispute. Yeah, it's the, the, um, yeah, the originality of it, sorry, is, is under dispute. It's very, very interesting how there were all these kind of different tracks released around the same time with a similar refrain. And it's, yeah, it's fascinating. Ah, okay. Interesting. I will have to look that up. Because the real author of the song was, in fact, a dog that was let out. Yeah, exactly. But no one can find him, is the, is the problem. He's disappeared <laughs> then, from the face of you, the earth. You get into, then, the, the legal debate of um, who then owns the rights to the song. Is it the owner of the dog or the dog in question? Mm. Um, much like the whole thing about the monkey that took a photograph of itself. Yeah, exactly. That, that was ruled in the monkey's similar. favour, wasn't it? <laughs> very, very similar. Um uh, very similar um, setup. Uh, it's the, the 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 monkey photo clause, I believe it's known under law. Yeah, the the lesson here is never let a dog take a photo. <laughs> no, never, 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 never let a dog. By the way, just so you know, the Wikipedia entry for that is called "Monkey Selfie Copyright Dispute." 
That's my new band. <laughs> I was going to say, that's the perfect name for like a math rock band, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, a really impenetrable album by yeah. like Phantomass or someone. Yeah. And then where the could, album's one long track. You could, um, and then I, I believe the legal case was called something like X versus the, 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 um, the, it was like the company versus the, the, the photographer's name et al. Biz versus like the nude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what you could yeah. call the, the opening track. <laughs> Very good. I'm looking forward to listening to that. Um, yeah, so I, so I believe that if you're not human, you can't have copyright. I believe is the is that the, the what the ruling came down as. Oh right, now I I thought they said the monkey and the copyright. I haven't looked into it. Though. I'll have to I'll have to have a look. I believe that um, it's important that our listeners know this. <laughs> they do, they do need to they do need to know. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was the other way around. Um, and it and uh, instead that it it came down um, into into the monkey's favour, and in fact there is no copyright on these photos because that was the that was the thing, wasn't it? Is is there a copyright on this photograph? Or that's what um, Chad Kroger was singing about in that <laughs> song, wasn't he? Uh, no, actually, what he was talking about then was he had um, he'd been in Excel, and um, he'd he'd done some numbers on the number of photographs taken each year and put them into a graph so it was actually look at this photograph not photograph uh, he's I a see. big excel fan Chad loves it he's all about the pivot tables <laughs> all about it all about it um so anyway this week's movie doesn't include chad kroger doesn't include monkeys but does include dogs sort of the dog movie sort of includes dogs what do you mean, sort of? There's dogs on screen 99% of the time. <laughs> if horrifying CGI facsimiles of dogs count as dogs, then... Well, yes, that's true. That raises an interesting philosophical debate, doesn't it? <laughs> ship of... Uh, what is it? Ship of Theseus? Watership down of Theseus. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> if a dog has entirely been replaced by, by CGI parts, is it still the same dog? Yeah. Was there ever a dog to begin with? Yeah. Well, that's the question is was was the was the horrifying CGI animal here based on a real dog or they made a terrifying CGI model and then and then superimposed it over a man as a man ran around like a dog? I I well there must have been a model of a dog. It must have been based on some real dog surely. You you, don't, you can't just come up with the dog out of thin air can you even if you're designing CGI I I don't know how it works but you'd have well, to have some sketch or something of a dog wouldn't you? Unless they went fully off the medieval artwork vibes of draw a lion. Oh like the guy had never seen a lion. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um yeah. No, but this is like as if someone had... You're right. This is like as if someone had seen dogs, but then tried to do it from memory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this week's movie, by the way, is not a dog's purpose. What's it called? Call of the Wild. Call of the Wild 2020, which I've been wanting to see since then. But I think I, it sort of it came out in cinemas just before COVID hit. Um, and I did, did not suffer at the box office, I think, as a result, because it was just before all the lockdowns. But... Um, 
Yeah, I, was, I think I saw the poster of it when I came out of The Rise of Skywalker, and then I was like, oh, Harrison Ford and a dog. Yes, I'll have that. And then it's taken me till now to watch it. So I'm very glad we finally got around to it. Yes. Um, based on a book by Jack London. By Wolf London. <laughs> by Wolf London. Um, and uh, then directed by um, a fella called Chris Sanders, who has directed some very good movies over the years. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, well, he did the How to Train Your Dragon films. That was him. Oh, right. Okay. Um, and they're... I've seen a couple yeah, they're, of those. They're, 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 they're great little uh, outside of Pixar. In fact, I actually prefer them to some Pixar stuff because um, some Pixar movies I think are a little bit too overbearing. How dare you? I think they're all a little bit like deliberately stabbing the knife of emotional content to get to people's heartstrings and it all feels very manipulative and not authentic. Whereas How to Train Your Dragon, I think... Is and, and and that comes through in his previous movie. So before How to Train Your Dragon, he did Lilo and Stitch. Oh right, okay. So he has has done Disney in his time. Yes, uh, he also did The Croods, which oh, no. is the the um the caveman family, which apparently is fun and enjoyable. I don't know if you oh, yeah. watched it with your with your children. No, I have not. I, I remember think, seeing that at the time, and thinking that looks a bit a bit odd, but. I don't know. Something People seem about to cavemen. Enjoy I'm just like, no. I'm <laughs> you're not, not, you're not a fan. I don't want to hear about the, cavemen. You're not. You're not a fan of the Homo erectus. No, we've progressed past the need for Homo erectus. Yeah. Oh wait, notable work Mulan as well. Oh, what did he do with did Mulan? Did he direct it? I don't believe no. so. I think it was just the Lone Stitch, How to Train Your Dragon, The Croods, and then this. But he does have writing credits. But on his thing, it says. It says notable work, and then you click through to Mulan. His name is nowhere to be found. Maybe he did not. Maybe it was the writing or production or animation department. Maybe. He was the writer of Mulan. Right, okay. So, yeah, he's been been an integral part of animation for a very long time. But this is his first... Filmography, filmmaking credits. 1988, Garfield, His Nine Lives, <laughs> Made start? for TV. Um, no, exactly. Yeah, um, nothing wrong yeah, with that. So, so, so he's been around for some time doing doing animation, character design, but then has moved into directing, has writing credits. Um, but it's all been very much in the animated space, with the exception of this debut uh, live-action movie, Call of the Wild. Yeah, this is really interesting, isn't it? This seems like this is the only film he's ever made that's explicitly aimed at an adult audience. And like teens tend to love the the Call of the Wild, the the book. I think I read it when I was about fifteen or sixteen, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and I've sort of reread bits of it over the years on my phone because it's one of those ones that's free in the ebook libraries because it's um out of copyright or whatever. So I occasionally revisit it, but I haven't read the whole, sat down and read the whole thing in a while. But yeah, it's really, really, I think it it makes sense as a move, but it'll be interesting to then see what he does next because, yeah, it's it's a good transition, I think, to doing stuff for for adults. But I mean, we've, we've already kind of touched upon the issue with the, the CG dog, haven't we? It's like, I mean, we're not talking Robert Zemeckis levels of weird animation, <laughs> but this is kind of, it's starting to get into that ballpark, isn't it? Yeah, it's interesting there that you said that this is a movie for adults because I did not feel that this was a movie for adults whatsoever. You think it's for small boys? I think it, well, it sanitizes a lot of the more dark parts of the book. 
Yes, it does. Understandably, one of those parts, which would probably be cons- uh, perceived as quite racist um, towards the tail end of the book, does not make it into the movie, which is understandable, but equally it sanitizes a lot of the elements that actually make up a key thematic component of the book. Um, because Call of the Wild is about, as the name suggests, the Call of the Wild. It's about a big, big dumb himbo dog called um, Buck. Who you mean, um, Buck? Buck, as everyone shouts constantly <laughs> at the dog throughout the movie. Um, Half this film is just people shouting Buck over and over while the dog I, does I something. did not enjoy this movie very much, by the way. You <laughs> you might feel differently, but I was incredibly irritated the entirety watching watching this. I mean, you I'm don't not, I'm love not a people big... shouting at a dog for <laughs> ninety minutes. I'm, I'm not. A, I've, I've read The Call of the Wild when I was younger. I think it was at school. And thought, okay, it's about a dog. It's like a dog version of uh, <laughs> the Lord of the Flies, almost. Lord I guess. of the Dogs. Lord of the Dogs. Um, and then forgot entirely about it for the rest of my life. I am it the Lord of the Dogs. Said impact he. On me. Um, and this movie, I did not care very much for. Um, but yeah, it, but the 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 big theme of the book is you've got this big dumb himbo dog. He gets taken away, dog napped, taken to Alaska. <laughs> and becomes a sled dog and then slowly becomes more and more wild he has weird fever dream visions of a big old wolf and then at the end he runs off to be with the wolves and it's about the it's about the deconstruction of this dog as a pet and it bringing back its natural animalistic instincts over over the course of its lifetime essentially um and that i didn't think translated very well into this film because it sanitized those darker moments of humanity which helped drive home how actually that descent into more animalistic territory is actually something that could be more more humane in a way so you you just wanted it to be like a sort of dog wolf body horror film is what you're saying. You wanted him to, to see him actually ripping people apart and yeah, eating wolves' flesh and stuff. <laughs> no, but like, there, there's a very key scene um, where, and maybe I'm wrong. It's been ages since I've I've, I've dealt with this property. Um, there's a very key scene where these idiots go out into the Antarctic searching for this magic cabin full of gold or whatever the fuck it is. I can't remember. Um, <laughs> magic cabin full of gold the magic cabin full of gold um and yeah yeah there's these there's these um dwarves right and they meet a thief hobbit and then they go off to reclaim their magic cabin full of gold but then then one of them gets the gold madness and they they fight some elves and some orcs um (laughs) anyway um but yeah so so we get these rich idiots so they go off to try and find this cabin and get this it's all about a gold rush and they're off to get this gold um and what happens in the book is that buck gets saved by um by our mate harrison ford um and then the rest of this party trudge on but then they all fall into the ice and die yeah and that doesn't happen in the film yeah i don't think anyone dies in the ice which is a shame I mean, hardly anybody dies in this movie when actually people die constantly in the book. Yeah, a lot of people die in the book. The book very much reflects kind of the brutal nature of its time, doesn't it? Yeah, whereas this feels like a very sanitised version of what was a very brutal... You know, the gold rush was horrible and lots of people did die. And again, it was that that desperation and for aspiration and for greed 
and putting people's lives in the line for that. That's what that whole thing was about. And I don't think, I think this movie, by sanitizing that, by disnifying that almost, by putting the focus instead on the dog making funny faces, the number of times where the do- dog pull, like <laughs> the dog. Lift, lifts an eyebrow. Diglet. <laughs> where, but you know what I mean? Like it lifts an eyebrow every so often and it makes very human expressions. And it's A, disconcerting, but also B, turns it into a cartoon. Yeah, but at the same time, if you're going to do that, you have to go full cartoon, don't you? It's like it does that. It picks and chooses the moments to do that when it think when it thinks, oh, it'd be nice to have a little cutesy thing here to distract from the kind of the brutality of it. When actually that doesn't really work because it's just so disjointed. It's like if you want to do that, fine, just go full hog. But then also have him talk as well because the book is from the dog's point of view, right? Yeah. So we should have Harrison Ford narrating as the dog instead of as the dog's eventual owner. I mean he sounds like a dog Harrison Ford and I'm very old and tired just, and now I'm a dog <laughs> just cause he just sort of popped up about every 10 to 15 minutes at the exact moment when you felt like you needed someone to explain what was happening to you yeah what I think could have been good here is Studio Ghibli's Call of the Wild oh hell yeah now that I hadn't thought of that, but now that you said that, I am sad that that does not exist. Do it. I feel full an animation. emptiness in my heart that that does not exist. Do it full animation. Do it for an adult audience, or for like a not even adults, but young adults and up. You know, include the actual reality of the book. Take out the racist shit because that doesn't need to be there. No, but actually have it be thematically resonant still which I think is the big problem with this movie, is it doesn't have... It lacks that thematic impact, and instead you get, like... Like, does he even kill the 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 bastard dog in this film? He, like, pushes him into a burning shack, so he doesn't even bite him or anything. No, no, the, the, the bastard dog. Oh, um... Spits. Spits. I No, he runs off. He runs off, doesn't he? Yeah. Whereas in the book, he, mur- he, he murders in cold blood yeah. another dog <laughs> to become the top dog of Spits the- had it coming. He did. I mean, Spitz was a Spitz is a dickhead. Yeah, but here it doesn't. Again, it sanitizes it, and actually, it takes away. I think it takes away from the impact that it has been sanitized so much. Like I wanted to see Dan Stevens drowning in freezing ice, surrounded <laughs> by the bodies of dogs. He would have been so good at that as well. And and instead, what we get is because some of it is cartoonish and some of it isn't. You get these moments which are meant to be dramatic but instead come across as extremely funny. Like, where spits the evil dog? Um, our, our, our boy, the himbo buck. The OG himbo in fiction. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, no, Hercules is the OG himbo in in, in, in mythology, so yeah. I suppose we'd... Hercules is the OG Bless himbo. my soul, buck was on a roll. There's a through line through to that, yeah. But but he is, a, he, is a, he is a proper himbo of a character. He's like, oh, I'm a big dumb idiot and I've got a heart of gold. Yeah, and everything's going to be okay. That's that's our that's our boy Buck. Um, but he goes chasing off after a rabbit, and then he catches the rabbit and he lets it go. And all of the other dogs are looking. He's like, "Oh, he's such a compassionate dog." Which like, a dog would sp- never do, by the way. <laughs> no. no dog would do that. And then Spitz comes along, and out of sheer malice, kills this <laughs> rabbit. And it's a legitimately hilarious scene because it's so absurd and so ridiculous. And it's putting all of these human emotions and human plans into the heads of these dogs 
in this movie that does have this um, Oliver and Company-esque yeah. vibe to it. <laughs> There's definitely a through line from Oliver and Company to this as well. And I love yeah. Oliver and Company, but yeah. Uh, yeah, Oliver and Company is a great film. It's a masterpiece. Um, they should have had William Joel do the songs for this one, I see. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. If they should have gone full cartoony cheesiness. This is Billy Joel's Call of the Wild. He's going to come in and sing songs from the point of view of the dog. Harrison Ford's going to be gruff about it. He's going to do some gruff songs about how his son died. And then that's, yeah, that's what it should have been, a musical. Yeah. Or, or alternatively, like I said, a Studio Ghibli one that plays it straight and uses beautiful animation to showcase this story in a proper way. Like You could probably reuse about a third of Princess Mononoke for that one because that's all like wolves <laughs> tearing people apart and stuff. Yeah, exactly, exactly. They could have they could have done that, but instead, um, instead, there's far too much whimsy that's been added, in, and you know that I hate whimsy. I know. See, I, I can tolerate whimsy, and I, I, I liked the whimsy of this, but I felt that ultimately... There are a lot that I liked about this film. I didn't hate it, but there's a, it just feels like a missed opportunity, and there's so much about it that doesn't work and just feels disjointed. And it's just it's just a shame, isn't it? Yeah, and when, when I think of Call of the Wild, I don't think of whimsy. No. It's not a whimsical and, and, book. And the, 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 the idea of trying to shoehorn in whimsy into that playing it relatively straight but not properly playing it straight to what the thematic resonance is of the original work i think is does make it feel really disjointed it's like they tried to make something that's kind of that's going to have white broad popular all ages appeal almost and they they tried to make it mid and it's not mid is it <laughs> exactly exactly um so you've you've got all of these scenes where like um, characters are explaining the plot of the movie to dogs and explaining what's going to happen next. <laughs> that happens so many times, and they even make a joke out of it as well. It's like yeah, when the person yeah. says to Perrot, the French, the French Canadian guy who's wonderful, who just yeah, shouts yeah, yeah. and runs after Buck the whole time, and then has to leave because they're they he runs the mail dog sled route, and then they're replacing it with telegraph poles, so he's out of a job and he just disappears. Um, but, so he like for about twenty minutes of the film, it's his story. Um, and yeah, I can't remember where I was going with that. <laughs> explaining, explaining the explaining plot, of the, the movie plot to of the movie to the dogs. dogs. That's right. Yeah, which is when when the book is from the point of view of the dog, then it all makes sense. But it's like it's trying to it's trying to get that across, but it can't be done on film. So you shouldn't try to do that if you're going to do that, unless you're going full. We're inside the dog's head, and it's from the dog's point of view, like a camera, like a Gonzo camera on a dog. <laughs> <laughs> GoPro should, on a dog is what it they should have been. Do. They should do um like found footage style but dogs. Yeah. That that's a genre that hasn't been tapped into. <laughs> no. That's what we need. That's what we need. Yeah, but it's it feels another reason it feels disjointed, I think, is it feels kind of episodic, doesn't it? Which is to yeah. do with the source text. I mean Buck yeah, goes absolutely. through four different owners before he eventually meets John Thornton. Um, and then it's kind of their story. And that's that point is when he starts to really, truly feel this call of the wild. And he knows the wolves are out there and everything. He sort of has a few visions. Um, and that's the, the thematic thread of the call of the wild. But it's the episodic nature of it here just makes it feel disjointed, doesn't it? It does, particularly when they seem to... It's very scattergun in terms of how much time it spends with each episode as well. Yeah. 
where yeah the 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 latter half of this movie is with harrison ford and it tried but, to to mitigate that by just sort of going well if it's going to be the thing about him and harrison ford but we need to do all this other stuff here because it's in the book let's just have harrison ford appear every so often and it's like yeah, how was he how was he there he was there he, how was he it's in, like there? when like, it's like when the old man has the cameos in all of the netflix christmas movies who's meant to be like santa claus oh yeah where he turns up every so often. That's kind of what Harrison Ford is like here. They wanted Harrison Ford for that, but he turned it down because he's mean. He's <laughs> like, is there a horrifying CGI dog man that I'm not interested? Yep. Um, <laughs> but whilst we're talking about Harrison Ford, can I just say that the human performances in this movie were impressive, given that they were, like I said, acting against a man pretending to be a dog. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I would say that the, the performances are the best thing about this film. Yeah, um, absolutely. Far and above everything. And they, they really carried it for me and turned it from something that I think if they'd been bad performances, it would have been un- absolutely unwatchable. But it actually made it watchable for me. Especially Harrison Ford and especially Dan Stevens as well, who I love, who is just my main man and is brilliant in everything. He brought the cheese to this, didn't he? He, he did. I was going to say... Um... Harrison Ford is great. Um, Omar C is great as well. Yeah. Really good. I mean, always impressive. Um, Cara G played Francoise. Do you know do you know the 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 show The Expanse? Um, I know of it. I've never seen it, and it's based on books that I yes. know of as well. Yeah. I've never read it's, any. It's really, really good. And she she plays a character who started as a fan favourite and then became more of an integral part of the show as it went on. Um and she's brilliant. Um and um and yeah, so so she's great, MRC's great. Um Karen Gillan is in this for yeah. like five seconds. <laughs> kind of wasted. Yeah. Um you she got just Michael sits on the Horse. sled and complains. You got Michael Horse as well, um best known for um, Twin Peaks. Oh yes. Um but then yeah, Dan Stevens, literal mustache twirling villain. Yeah. <laughs> They, they put that mustache on him for that exact reason. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I I love Dan Stevens. Um, the only thing I've seen him in which I haven't liked is Beauty and the Beast, and that's not his problem. No, he is an excellent um, beast in that. Yeah, yeah. Um, we still haven't done a whole episode on that one, have we? No, we haven't. Right, well, that's, that's written in the stars. This film is like... I think it's Raymond Chandler who had that quote about storytelling where it's like, if in if in doubt or if you're stuck, have a man come through the door with a gun in his hand. This film does that like five times. It's like, oh, how can we move the plot along? Let's have Dan Stevens burst into the room with a gun. Yeah, <laughs> they do it a couple of times, don't they? Very he, Well, he pulls out a gun randomly on the dogs. Yeah. Always a concern. Um, but then, then turns up later with a gun at a pub and it's like i'm gonna shoot your dog now and then at the end he turns up at the cabin and is like now i'm gonna shoot your dog <laughs> he really really wanted to kill that dog yeah that's basically um, it that's his only reason for being and he knows it you know when he's acting it he knows that and he, he yeah. does it he gives himself to it fully absolutely absolutely and i think um you know that the, the key thing here is that in the book and again uh, correct me if i'm wrong but i don't i seem to remember their characters only having that short part where they fall through the ice and die which is stuck with me yes 
And then the other bits where there has been that human antagonist against Buck, it's been somebody else. Yeah, they've kind of combined a few different characters there in order to cut out the racist stuff, which makes sense. Yes, yeah. Um, and, and some other bits as well. But it, I suppose it's trying to make it more cohesive by having this through this through line of villain Dan Stevens really hates dogs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's his motivation i just really hate this one particular dog and i'm going to chase him across alaska (laughs) to make sure that i murder him um really yeah but he he's really enjoyable here um as as the villain he does make a good villain he's fantastic but yeah let's talk a little bit about the horrifying cgi dog because i would I'd really love it if we had a cut of this movie that was just a man pretending to be a dog for the entirety of it. Yeah, almost like a th- like a theatrical piece where you could suspend your disbelief at an actor actually playing a dog. Yeah, like you know how they took the bum holes out of cats? <laughs> oh, they wouldn't have released the man cut. <laughs> I want them to release the dog man cut of The Call of the Wild. Dog man cut, that's the best suede album. I was going to say, the guy who plays Buck is my Dogman star. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, there's a credit for a guy who played Buck, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, because there is. And if you've seen any of the behind-the-scenes footage of this movie... Terry Notary. Of when they were making it, it is this guy walking around like a dog on the floor, and it's amazing. He's like, um, who's the other guy? Doug Jones, um, who always plays, like, like he played the fish man in The Shape of Water and stuff. He's like one of these guys. So Notary mainly portrays creatures and animals for the film and television industry and is known for his motion capture performances in films like Avatar, The Adventures of Tintin, Secrets of the Unicorn, which was interesting... The Planet of the Apes reboot series, the Hobbit trilogy, Kong Skull Island. This is this is a, a impressive CV. Yeah, yeah, he's done a lot of animal work, like Andy Serkis. You know, someone who gets brought in to do that kind of CG capture and 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 that kind of performance. Um, and it's sort of, but not quite, like a dog. And I think that's probably because they're trying to make a real dog out of someone who's not a real dog. Yeah, which is just such a weird move, isn't it? It's, it's the kind of thing it's, that Robert Zemeckis would do, but... Uh, it's so strange. I reckon they, they offered this to Robert Zemeckis and he turned it down because he's doing it other really things. Feel, but, like, it feels like a Robert Zemeckis movie. And did you hear the thing that Robert Zemeckis is doing now? He's de-aging I don't Tom know. Hanks through AI. Oh, no. Which is what he's doing next. So clearly he's gone from horrifying CGI to horrifying AI so wait, supported. It's Robert Zemeckis' as Dear Evan Hansen starring Tom Hanks. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> Which you just know we've got to watch it at some point, but not pay to watch it in the cinema. Yeah. Um, he's white. <laughs> he's AI. <laughs> you can't even tell what's made by AI or not anymore. It's so convincing. The only way to tell is that it looks horrifying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if it looks like a dog, but is horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> if, if it looks like one of the dogs from The Thing halfway through transformation, then you know it's been made by AI. <laughs> yeah, if it um, looks like it got into a machine with Jeff Goldblum and then came out the other <laughs> side... Then you know that it's AI. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But no disrespect to Terry Notary, because obviously he's done some great work here. And if Yeah. Yeah. It's it's almost that's the thing. It's like a, a lot of this AI art, isn't it? It's it's similar. It's like 
it's close enough to a dog that it's very close to be being, being real, but it's so close that that thin sliver of unreality between it and a real dog makes it more apparent that it's not real. Yeah, that, and that's the problem, isn't it? Because they've they've tried to they've tried to make something look as real as possible, but actually, because of the way that they've been doing it, it's going to be impossible for them to do it. You know, the only way that they could have done this is by having a real dog or, like I said, by doing it purely in animation. Yeah. And it's just it's just one of those things that it is going to be difficult for them to to pull this off. It's almost, you know, why did they bother? I know that there's been a previous version of Call of the Wild, hasn't there, with, with Clark Gable? 1935, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen it, but Clark Gable is very handsome, so I'd watch that. <laughs> um, and I assume there that they didn't put a man in a dog suit and instead they just had a dog that they trained. No, Clark Gable was the dog. <laughs> he was, they just put some dog ears on him and a little muzzle. Yeah, like Channing Tatum um, in um, Jupiter Ascending. It was a very similar similar performance. <laughs> similar performance, yeah. Um, and I, 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 yeah, I wonder how they... I mean, I assume that that movie is very, very focused on the human characters and the dog is almost a secondary thing yeah i'm not sure oh wait hold on i'm reading just the synopsis here it says buck as himself during the klondike gold rush a a traveler purchases a dog to lead the way towards the treasure but reconsiders his journey when he finds a jilted married woman okay so clearly it has very 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 little in common with the source material um there's a dog howling on the poster. That's probably about as much dogs. That's about as much as, as as Buck does. Okay. So yeah, clearly um cl- <laughs> clearly there is very little in common with that with that 1930s version. But maybe we should watch it at some point, find it somewhere, give it a watch. Yeah. I do have a note here that just says sadness in his eyes. Oh which yeah. I assume I assume refers to the sadness in the eyes of the dog. <laughs> Yeah, it's just you think could how could they have done this? Could they have done it with I mean real dogs out of the question I guess because they're so difficult to train, right? They're good for sort of capers, but if you want to do something like this, it probably would be difficult to pull off. I'm I wouldn't think it's impossible, but you'd probably spend more time training the dogs than doing anything else and no studio's going to spend money on that. But could they have done like just full CGI without it looking fake? It was the worry that if they went full CGI, it would just look fake and dated and Zemeckis-y. PlayStation 2 graphics. Yeah, well, I mean, the issue is that they this was full CGI to the best of their abilities by having, you know, having something real making natural movements instead of it being fully CG. So I think this was probably the best call for what they were trying to do. I think the issue is that actually making this movie at all with it attempting to have the key character focus as it was in live action would have been pretty much impossible the way that you could potentially do it is have real dogs and then shift the focus to being more about the human characters and having those human characters carry that theme yeah yeah i I guess that could work but either way it's just an impossibility yeah, as you absolutely. say, the Studio so, Ghibli option would have been the best option. Yeah, that's the only way that I can think of of actually doing this and maintaining what worked about the original book. Yeah, it's a tough one, and I'm I'm always interested to see things like that, right? Because you think about not the like 
when people talk about a book as being unfilmable or anything, but just where it's like it's a classic book and a classic story that probably can reach people by being adapted into a new and popular film, but where there's something that's at the heart of it that's quite difficult to do. And I always appreciate that people try to do that, right? I think that's a good thing. I'm glad that it exists. It's it's nice when people try to do something ambitious and different, Um, which begs the question, is this movie a shit piece? I don't know because it, it's not really funny enough, is it? No. It has it has ambition. Um, it has ambition, and it's it's not great. It has and it's flawed, which it, so it meets probably most of the conditions of a shit piece. But it's a bit dour, isn't it? It's not quite. Yeah, it's it's a bit humorless to be a shit piece. Yeah, I, I think the problem is that from a technical perspective, it's maybe trying to do something different in terms of adapting this work in a way that isn't really feasibly possible but from a storytelling perspective there's nothing new here and i think that's probably the big problem isn't it that that stops it from being a shit piece is we're not you're not watching it and engaging with interesting ideas so much as watching it and just thinking this is quite odd but the story is the, the way that the story's been framed is boring yeah that's the thing as well if they'd really really nailed it on the story front you might have been able to forgive the, the, the weirdness of the dog, mightn't you? If it hadn't been characters popping up to tell the plot to each other and tell you what, and like Harrison Ford telling you exactly what's happening on a voiceover every five minutes. And if it hadn't been just like Harrison Ford randomly popping up to advance the plot and whatever, yeah, then, then it might have it might have succeeded. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I'd agree. I think, I, I still don't think it would have worked because there would have been that, that real jarring element whenever the dog turned up and like pulled dreamworks face with its eyebrow raised and a little smirk on its face <laughs> that's going, true can you believe what's happening here oh they're trying to get me to go into the ice it did it it's, um, it's like dreamworks is call of the wild isn't it <laughs> yeah i mean i'm exaggerating a little bit but it 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 doesn't seem real because of the complexity of the facial animations, I think, is the real problem. Despicable Me 3, The Call of the Wild. It's, <laughs> it's like that. They should remake this, but it's just minions instead of dogs. That would actually be great. And I hate I would... minions, but I would, I would watch that. <laughs> I'd watch the hell out of that movie. Um, so, yeah. I, I think even if they just toned down things like the facial expressions and it was just a slightly weird-looking CGI dog animal, I think it would have been okay. But it is it is that attempt to add that human emotional complexity to the animal that really makes it difficult to watch yeah it's one thing to to have a cgi dog and to try to capture all the movements fine but yeah as you say it's the face isn't it it's that they try to humanize the face and it just yeah it doesn't really work and the, the because in the story you identify in, in the book you identify with the dog sort of wanting to connect with his ancestors and to connect with nature and the landscape and to sort of find himself and find out who he is and all of those things and i think you can still do that and they should have done that through storytelling Absolutely. rather than through his his weird facial expressions. I think <laughs> they try to do that by through the storytelling when actually they'd sort of show the call of the wild, as it were, by the, the black wolf occasionally appearing on the horizon. And then suddenly at the end, it's there and he's off to join the wolves. And you're like, this has been like five minutes of him frolicking and now suddenly he's a wolf. It's like <laughs> embed that better in the story instead of expecting us to judge that from his facial expressions. 
Yeah, and that's the thing is that audiences are clever enough to be able to pick up on those those cues when they're properly embedded without the need for DreamWorks facial expressions on your dog. Yeah. Um and I think I think that's the thing is they could have they could have had a more subtle build up to that idea and had more of a focus on it. Um and it could have it could have worked a lot better. Yeah. And you know, and then when he comes face to face with the bear when he's frolicking in the wild and you you wouldn't be watching it just thinking that bear would eat him. I know he's a massive dog. <laughs> that bear would still eat him immediately. I mean, some bears are chill. I think it's a grizzly, though, and grizzlies are notoriously not chill. Yeah, yeah. They'd have you. So I imagine that the the grizzly probably would go, mm, yeah, this looks like dinner. Or at the very least would be territorial enough to go, no, I'm going to gonna get you. Yeah. Because you're on my turf. Yeah, exactly. But instead the bear just kind of looks at him and then he goes, hey, look at my human dog face. And then just like runs off. <laughs> and then the bear goes, I cannot compete with this human dog hybrid. Yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so in terms of the reception that this movie got, it wasn't quite as good as people hoped. Um, it ended up being not really getting its money back. So it lost about $50 million to $100 million. Um, after things like, um, after things like um, marketing and everything like that, so its budget was about one hundred twenty-five to one hundred fifty million, made back a hundred million, um, and some of that was down to COVID um, because of you know having that longevity of how long it came out for. So it oh, came yeah, out in February, February twenty twenty. Okay. Um, so it could have it came out just before things like lockdowns and things came in but obviously it could have had a far longer runtime um in cinemas and things like that that maybe would have clawed back some of it um but it also didn't have a particularly good um good critical reception it did get a razzie nomination but as we know the razzies are dog shit and we don't support them cgi dog shit <laughs> yes um it got nominated at the golden raspberries for the worst screen combo for harrison ford and the cgi dog um but i i still find the razzies very mean-spirited i'm not a fan of them to be yeah yeah me neither um but it didn't do too great with critics in general um best score was about a three out of four three and a half stars kind of rating um ended up with an average score of five out of ten from critics um and a lot of it came down to a mixture of the technology looking a little bit weird but also that cheesiness and the uneven pacing yeah so after after so, they've delivered all the mail they've made it on time even though it's physically impossible to travel that distance um <laughs> the, with buck because buck spitz has run off and then buck's taken over and somehow they're faster with fewer dogs um because buck's got the spirit of the wild in him or whatever and then they arrive and then pero says we don't carry mail we carry lives and like does this like mega cheesy speech and buck's just looking at him that's also like he's trying to explain the themes of the film to the dog as well and the dog just looks yes at him. yeah and then the dog goes yeah or he should he doesn't yeah but he should yeah exactly i just wanted this to be like matthew lillard to appear on screen and go, 
<laughs> yeah, remake this with with the Scooby Doo model from the Scooby Doo live action movie. Yeah, exactly. That that is totally fine. You never look at that and go, "Oh, that is or isn't a dog." It doesn't matter, does it? Because <laughs> the key is goof factor. Exactly. Exactly. Was that a man in um, a, a Scooby Dog suit? <laughs> what in Scooby Doo? I don't. I genuinely have no idea. I imagine not because its movements are so cartoonish. Yeah. Just a straight up cartoon. I'm just going to have a look. I don't see anyone mentioned on. Uh, yeah, I don't see anyone mentioned. Andy Serkis as Scooby Doo. <laughs> Speaking of Andy Serkis, I have finished watching Andor, the Star Wars. Television. Oh, I've heard good things about that. It is the best Star Wars thing that Disney's made, I would say. Okay. It's better it's than true. The Man's I would say so. It's very different. So Mandalorian's got that pulpy feel to it, but it is getting bogged down by having too much, too many cameos from other Star Wars characters and trying to tie itself in too much to wider Star Wars lore and blah, blah, blah. Whereas, like, Andor is amazing. And it's the first thing I've watched that's made you really realise how oppressive the Empire actually is. Right. And I think the fact that it's done that, it's it's genuinely sort of like an anti-fascist Star Wars story in a very modern way. That's good. So it's and not it's, just like, oh, the Empire are evil space Nazis and they're bad. It like actually gives you some detail and some nuance on that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's really great. Some amazing performances. Absolutely gripping to watch. And apart from the main character and just one other person... I won't say who, because I'm sure you, you'll try and watch it at some point. Try um, being the operative word. But yeah, I, I do want to, yeah. It doesn't rely on random people turning up and going, Hi, I'm young Luke Skywalker. Hi, I'm baby Princess Leia. Um, <laughs> baby Yoda. It's just, it tells its own story, which is so nice and refreshing, because Disney stuff with Star Wars has always been desperate to tie itself into other people so it actually makes star wars feel big for once that's good yeah that's why everyone hates baby yoda (laughs) no one wants to see yoda when he was a baby teenager at best maybe (laughs) he's not baby yoda he's grogu shut up it's baby yoda (laughs) but yeah it it tells its own self-contained story it makes the galaxy actually feel big because it's not everyone's not in the same family (laughs) there's no is there any reference at all to palpatine having sex no, there is reference to Palpatine. He gets mentioned as a sort of horrifying dictator. He's never seen, but he's he's mentioned right, in, the, in okay. the work. And it's, yeah, it's really good. It's really well done. But you're not supposed to believe that he had sex and then came back as a weird ghost or whatever. <laughs> no, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Um, good. So, yeah, it's uh, it's really good. So, highly recommend Andor, for those of you who haven't watched it yet. Oh, and brilliant. also The Last of Us TV show. Yeah, I'm not is... going to watch that because that's everywhere. It's it's literally everywhere I look, it's there. It's so and I know it's <laughs> based should, on a video game that's it. supposed to be very good, but that's the kind of game that I don't play. So yeah, whatever. You should what you should watch it. It's really good. I highly recommend watching it and just not talking to people about it and just watching it for yourself. It is it is very very good. the The third episode has released and it's possibly the best episode of television I've ever seen in my life. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's genuinely amazing. So, um, yeah, highly, highly recommended. Cool. Unlike 
Call of the Wild, which have you got anything else you'd like to yeah. say say about this I like, movie? I like the music. I think the music fitted it suited what they were trying to do. It was it was all folky and stuff. I I thought that the score was very good and very nice and that almost that made that made a, a fair contribution towards it trying to achieve its aim of making a sort of sanitized disneyfied version of this quite brutal book that was supposed to be popular and have broad appeal you could tell that it was really trying but it just didn't get there did it yeah it's it's it's, it's not for lack of trying it is a it is a genuine issue with what they were trying what they were trying to do yeah instead of the amount of effort that they put in so it's al- almost a shit piece but it's not quite there I loved Harrison Ford's performance. I thought he was great, um, and his narration was good, even though it was telling the plot to you. It was nice to listen to. Um, Dan Stevens was fantastic. You know, all the performances were great. It's just, yeah, doesn't doesn't quite get there with the flat plot and weird weird dog. <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of my new uh, new writing duo for movies. Flat plot and the weird dog. <laughs> That's our new production company. Yeah. It's a, it's a sub subsidiary of Big Boys Productions. Yeah, Flat Plot and Weird Dog. Flat Plot and Weird Dog. So where we do our experimental films, like oh. Touchstone Pictures for um, Disney. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> anyway, anything else you want to say about? about no, I I think I think I've covered it. Um. Yeah. It's it's a movie. It's here. It's kind of weird. I got very irritated by it. It's on Disney Plus. Um, yeah. Go. You can go watch it if you want. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, there's no bloody Baja men. No. So so not out of twenty. <laughs> so I think I think they could have had a little like folky version played on an accordion and a little oh, yeah mandolin in the little pub. Yeah, they could have had just had the Baja men in the back of that pub playing yeah instruments that they're not suited to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they could have done, couldn't they? But no, they didn't. Outrageous. Wasted opportunity. Um, <laughs> anyway, so how many dogs um, are in your sled how yeah. many dogs are pulling your sled onto the ice that you don't fall into and die so I've got a good even eight which probably isn't what you want from a sled is it you want one lead dog and then two on each well, side well I said that I've I've been dog sledding in the arctic and we I didn't have a lead dog then I just had four dogs in two and two oh. So oh, there well, isn't there always so a lead dog. I think it depends on the purpose. Okay, well, well, eight eight dogs for me. Yeah, nice even eight. I, I think that's fair. Maybe I'll go just one higher and give it a nine. I don't think it's quite even a Bon Jovi, but it's because it's yeah. There's a lot of stuff about it that doesn't work, but I think it's worth seeing if you're if you're interested in Harrison Ford being gruff and if we haven't put you off by talking about the dog's weird face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's worth seeing. You won't see anything else quite like this. Yeah. Especially so if, if you're if you're a Dan Stevens completionist, then it's yeah, yeah it's a good um, it's a good one to watch if you want, want want some Dan Stevens in your life. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so right, what do you got for me? So we're we're finally going to do it, Paddy. We're finally going to watch Valerian and the City of a Yay! I, I knew we had to get to it soon because I keep I'm, talking about it for so long. I'm just I'm just pulling the plug i'm just pulling the pin on it and we're gonna do it now yeah watch watch cara delavine in space luke besson's masterpiece i'm very Absolutely. i'm very excited about this yeah i as am i i'm very excited to watch this movie oh fantastic well 
thanks very much for tuning in we all really really appreciate it and hope you enjoyed the call of the wild if you did watch it if you didn't it's out there you know you, you may wish to you you may not you may want to go and watch all of andor instead there's a good recommendation so you know we we've got all the all the good stuff all the popular new stuff like the call of the wild from 2020 yes yeah go, go and go and watch things based on our recommendations i'm very excited for us to be right on the pulse of of watching a movie from 2017 next week. yeah <laughs> um, you can find us on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod. You can email us bigboysdon'tcrypodcast at gmail.com. And we will be back next week to talk about Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Alrighty, right. bye bye. Bye. <laughs> who let the dogs out? Who? 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 Who?